You're listening to the ESPN Radio 94.1 podcast page, accelerated by Sports Innovation X. Six is bridging the gap between tech, athletes, and teams. Check them out at sportsinnovationx.com. You've lifted the weights, watched the film, and worked hard at practice. Now it's the fun part. It's showtime on the Tim Donnelly Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. It's quarterback week. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. We have the quarterback wheel of destiny set up. We have the teams that are most likely to be in the market for a quarterback on the, the wheel. We also have odd man out, which means you don't get to be a starter next year. And we have dealer's choice, which means I get to place you wherever I want to place you. Today is Derek Carr day. So we're about to spin the wheel and figure out where the wheel of destiny puts him next year at quarterback. Uh, But also tomorrow is rookie day. It's draft day. We look at the next, right? We've done Aaron Rodgers day yesterday, Derek Carr day today. I think maybe the only thing that could trump those guys as far as dominoes to fall would be the guys at the top of the draft. We're talking Bryce Young. We're talking CJ Stroud. We're talking Anthony Richardson. We're talking Will Levis. We're, we're looking at the rookies, what they bring, what do they need, where should they end up, who should be chasing them who should spend the most to move up to the top of the draft to grab one of them, who's set up nicely with the timeline of Anthony Richardson, which might not be the exact same timeline as somebody else. A little bit more of a project. So that's tomorrow. So bring your your draft Nick Caps, right? Watch some film. Get on the All-22. There's a ton of it on Twitter if you're you're looking for it. And uh, bring your opinions on the next Quarterback week continues tomorrow with the draft guys, the next class. By the way, follow us on Twitter at ESPN Radio 941. You can also follow me at Donnelly Sports. I think it's time to spin the wheel. Derek Carr will end up. I'm going to move the microphone close to the wheel so you get that awesome sound again uh, of our, our jerry-rigged makeshift former prize wheel turned into the quarterback wheel of destiny. Here we go. Derek Carr to Houston. This wheel likes bold predictions. Derek Carr to Houston. I do not think it ends up this way. Uh, Houston has the number two overall pick. I would have guessed tomorrow we might be talking a lot more about Houston when we're talking about the guys in the draft. But I guess in this scenario, they either absolutely fall in love with like Will Anderson and just can't pass on him at number two, or maybe they trade back, fill their entire rest of the roster with all of the picks that they acquire from somebody looking to move up and get to number two, and then they sign Derek Carr, who, by the way, Derek Carr's brother, David Carr, could blame the Houston Texans for everything that went wrong in his career. Uh, I do not see it happening, but that's why the wheel of destiny is the wheel of destiny. It's not the wheel of logic. It's not the wheel of this makes a lot of sense. The wheel sends Derek Carr to Houston. This has gone. I was hoping there would be a chance when we started this little bit quarterback wheel of destiny week. We'd spin it. They'd we'd be able. So far, we have Aaron Rodgers to Atlanta, who I have not heard anyone really with a logical answer explain why. Uh, and and Houston for Derek Carr makes maybe even less sense than Aaron Rodgers. 
So we'll see how it goes. This is going to end up with like Bryce Young in Green Bay. It's going to end up with Tennessee taking Jimmy G. Like none of this is going to make any sense. CJ Stroud to Washington. I don't even know how this is going to end up. But uh, but all we know right now is Derek Carr, according to the Wheel of Destiny, is going to Houston, and the train is off the tracks. I'm just glad that the wheel didn't say that he was going to end up back in Las Vegas because that that could have hey that could have been some problems. Bridges can be built, fences can be mended. Here, actually, that's that, that's a decent point here. Derek Carr did not want to leave the Raiders. I want that to be clear. Like I I think if there were probably two people removed from from Vegas. Right, if if they like two or three, like whoever the grudge holder is in this scenario, if they moved on, I believe Derek Carr would like to go back to the the Raiders. He was recklessly loyal. He wanted to retire a Raider, and and he said as much. Matter of fact, here's here's Derek Carr right here. I told my agent, I said, I'm either going to be a Raider or I'm going to be playing golf. Like I don't want to play anywhere else. You know this. That's how much this place means to me, and I don't, I know, I don't get really fired up talking about it or anything like that. But I hope people can hear my heart on that—that that I was dead serious when I meant that. And so, you know, I had one year left on my contract. If if it was one year, it was going to be one year. You know, you know. Thankfully, thankfully, it'll be four more. Nope, didn't make it the full four. Here's my question about Derek Carr. Now that the team that he wanted to retire on, which is what he wanted, like he wanted to be a one-team guy. He was loyal to the Raiders. If they never won a Super Bowl, he was going to go down trying. He was going to go into retirement knowing he did everything he possibly could to bring the Raiders a Super Bowl, and he was going to be content with that. And then they moved on from him. Does he get mad or does he get sad? Right? That's the next question for Derek Carr. We had a texter yesterday saying he was a Jets fan saying he didn't want Derek Carr to the Jets because he didn't want his quarterback crying in post-game press conferences. What if you get the opposite? What if his Raiders history, right? The team he was loving of and vulnerable for and, and, and gave everything to ripped his heart out. What if he turns into a revenge obsessed mercenary? What if he's now suddenly willing to rip people's throats out? Right? What if he's in a post-game press conference for his next team three weeks in and he starts saying things like Aaron Rodgers, right? If these young guys can't play, get them off the field. He starts looking at the coordinator going, I don't know why the heck we're running on first down so much. We need to let me sling it. With a dead eye, right? Just a dead look in his eye. What if this turns him cold? He needs to be able to take ownership of his future, right? Forcing the Raiders to cut him and taking his visits, going all over to every team. That's one way he's taking ownership of his future, right? He's finally saying, I'm looking out for what's best for Derek, not what's best for the Raiders. You can be a player that's too fiery, right? If every time a receiver drops a pass, you're grabbing him by the face mask and screaming, it's too much. But you can also have a player that needs to learn to be fiery. That might be Derek, and this might light that fuse. I can tell you right now, and I'll even go, I'll go to my own, my own college uh, career. One of my greatest regrets is that I never recognized that I needed to look out for me. Meaning, if I saw a play that I think was better than the play called, that I was 90% sure was going to work, I should have changed it. But I was so trying to be the coachable guy that I would never have done it, right? Oh, no, coach doesn't want me to. 
heck, coach wants first downs. Like, that's what I realize now. Looking back at me then, I put in way too much film study and way too much work in the film room not to be greedy and not to understand that what I wanted for me was also what's best for the team. I need Derek Carr to carry that weight, right? I need him to look back. The problem the problem with me was once, once the time I recognized that was like a lesson learned, I had no more football to play. It was it was just now it was, oh, darn, I wish I would have been more greedy, more selfish. Now it's like, oh, guess what? I got no more football to play. Derek Carr hopefully learned those lessons from the Raiders, right? He learned those lessons, and now he gets to look back at it and say, with this next opportunity, I'm going to be more, for lack of a better term, Tom Brady-ish, Right? If, if you do something wrong, I'm going to scream at you. I'm not going to say, hey, I need to do a better job of making sure that we're on the same page because we're all here under the Raiders umbrella. Maybe that's what you get. Right? Maybe. Right? It's it's like the like the, the rom-com movie, right? A uh, girl breaks guy's heart. The guy either like grabs a, a carton of ice cream and watches rom-coms with a blanket over his lap or... His buddies are taking him to Vegas and he's and he's trying to be the ladies' man. Like maybe Derek Carr goes opposite, right? He was the sensitive guy in the relationship. The breakup breaks his heart. Now he's getting his buddies and going, hey, we're going to Vegas. We're we're gonna light this town on fire. And and our 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 wheel says he's gonna do it for Houston. <laughs> he's gonna be out there in Houston. John Mechie's gonna make his way back from battling leukemia, which by the way, it looks like he's on the recovery, which is awesome. Uh, but he's also a very talented young receiver. He's going to battle back and be this awesome story. And Derek Carr is going to be cold blooded. You run the right route or I'm screaming at you on national television. Obviously, probably not, but maybe Brandon cooks will get yelled at. Uh, Damian Pierce will get yelled at. Maybe I kind of hope so. I kind of hope so. I bet you even David Carr has that, right? When David Carr was on the, the, which is Derek's older brother, when he was the first draft pick in Texans history and that offensive line wasn't breaking in front of him or wasn't blocking in front of him and he was just getting hit play after play after play, I bet a part of him does wish he went into a post-game press conference and said, hey, listen, somebody's got to get an offensive line in front of me that can block. Instead, he always said the right thing and he was a nice guy and it, well, his career was ruined because of it, right? You get hit enough, you're not going to be able to ignore the, the, the rush and you're going to get caught up in it. Maybe this lights the fire under Derek Carr that he didn't have with the Raiders because he was too busy being the, the most coachable guy he could possibly be. Some football coaches like to be challenged and I don't think enough players recognize that. And, and again, that's something that I learned. And like, I wish when coach gave us a play and said something, I did more like, why don't we do it this way? Because I was always just like, okay, yes, write it down in my notebook, memorize it, know what to do. That's that, that's not the way to go about it all the time. Sometimes if you see a better way, say, hey, I see a better way. At some point in this hour, we're going to give away Beats It Country Musical Country. I keep doing that. Country Musical Festive instead of Country Music Festival. Country Music Festival tickets. It is a massive three-day music festival with 30 of country music's best acts, including Miranda Lambert, Thomas Rhett, Luke Bryan. You know it's going to be a big show. So we're going to be giving away a pair of three-day passes. You'll see it all at some point in this hour. So before 6 o'clock, keep those dialing fingers ready. Tickets are on sale at beachitfestival.com. So you can try to stick around and win them. You can buy them. That's a guaranteed way to, to win them. Or you can uh, try your luck with our our, uh, our contest here coming up before 
you then go to beachitfestival.com and buy more tickets. Uh, it is the Tim Donnelly Show. It is Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. I have to ask this question again. Is Daniel Jones, aside from what the Giants have going on with Saquon Barkley, is Daniel Jones delusional or is Daniel Jones business savvy in asking for $45 million per year from the Giants? Yeah, 45 Stick around. Sports talk for the 757 from the 757. The Tim Donnelly Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Tim Donnelly Show. Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk put in one of his articles. As one source explained it, Daniel Jones wants more than the Giants have offered. Possibly as much as $45 million per year or more. That or more could be, I mean, that that could be hiding just treasure troves of greed from, from Daniel Jones. We know that Daniel Jones recently, meaning within the last couple of days here, has changed his agency. And he has not agreed to a long-term deal with the Giants, which I would assume mean they haven't offered him enough money yet because if they would, he would sign. Is Daniel Jones delusional or is Daniel Jones business savvy for throwing or leaking or having it somehow get to Mike Florio that $45 million per year is on his radar? And I do feel like you have to say it like that. You can't just say $45 million per year. You have to say $45 million per year. For reference, that's more than Josh Allen makes per year. On a deal that he didn't sign long ago. It's not like Josh Allen signed it 10 years ago and it's priced out of the market. Like He is a perennial MVP candidate. He signed for 43 and change per year. Daniel Jones said, that's nice. Give me about you know, 1.7 more per year. Yes, I had 15 passing touchdowns last year, but I ran for some yards too. Connor Hughes of SNY talks about Danny Dimes' contract. So there's been no formal demands yet from Daniel Jones's side, but they are coming. And when they do, they are expected to be high, you know, maybe 40, maybe 45. And Daniel Jones is completely in his right to demand that, right? He's a player. He wants to maximize his worth. He can only play for so long. So he wants to make as much money as he possibly can for as long as he possibly can. But I think at some point here, someone close to Daniel Jones is going to have to sit him down and, and help him understand what might actually be best for him is not taking the most money right now. We're demanding the most money right now, I should say, because look, the Giants are not going to pay Daniel Jones $45 million. They are not going to pay him in excess of $45 million. And if Daniel Jones is so stuck on that number, well, what the Giants are going to do is they're going to slap him with the franchise tag. Somebody has to get a hold of Daniel Jones and tell him maybe the thing that's best for you is to take less. That's going to be a hard sell. Okay, I just want that to be clear. As soon as somebody starts fantasizing about $40, $45 million per year, uh, it's hard to to turn around and say, how about 30? With that being said, the person or the people that need to get a hold of Daniel Jones and say $45 million probably isn't the best way to go about it is the Giants. And they need to say it in no uncertain terms. Listen, you want $45 million per year? You're not getting it here. If I'm the Giants, if I'm Joe Shane, their GM, there's absolutely no way I give Daniel Jones $45 million per year. It's a non-starter. 
And I would likely handle it like this. You want $45 million per year? Okay, here's what's going to happen. Um, we're not close, so we're going to franchise tag you. Unless the, I mean, as far as talking about a long-term extension, I would love to. However, if your starting point is $45 million, I don't want to insult you with where our offer would be. So I'm just going to let this be known. It'll probably be a non-exclusive franchise tag, which would guarantee you $32 million next year. And if someone else wants to sign you to an offer sheet, they can, in which we can either match or the team that, that is signing you would give us two first-round picks. That's where it's going to stand. And I would be, I would be straight like that. And if he comes back and says, well, why don't you tell me what your offer would be? I promise I won't be insulted. I would go, you know what? I'm going to offer you three years, $100 million, most of it, if not all of it, guaranteed. And uh, and that's what I need to make the team good enough around you to win. Three years, $100 million. You, sir, can be a hundred millionaire. After taxes, 67 millionaire. But you've already made good money. You were the number six overall pick. You're flirting with $100 million at the end of this contract. You'll be 28 when you hit the market again. And that next contract will be way bigger because I'll be able to put a team around you that will continue to allow you to improve and get better. So when you're 28, you can hit the big market if you want to. That's what I would say. Three years, $100 million. We can tack on a fake year at the end, but the three years, 100 is what it's really going to be. And I wouldn't tell him this, but I'd be willing to go up to three years, 105. I wouldn't bring that out right out the gate, but I think a $5 million little booster at the end might get the deal done if he's flirting with it. But that, in case you can't tell, we're looking at $34 million a year, $35 million a year. I'm not flirting with 45. I and And you might say, Tim, that's not how it works, right? I have texters all the time telling us, Hey, in the quarterback market, it doesn't matter how good you are. If you sign an extension, it's it's the new deal, right? It's not the best. It's the next. You have to be – you're going to be 45, then the next is going to be 46, then the next is going to be – I'd say no, not when I'm the GM. And I would stick to my guns on this. I'd say I'm going to create a middle class of quarterbacks because right now there's backup money, which is anything, you know, $7, 8000000 million a year at the top end, two at the bottom. There's starter money, which is 40-plus. I would create a middle class. And if you don't want it as a player, fine. We'll trade you. But your value is going to be down because no one out there is clamoring to pay Daniel Jones $45 million. I do want to give this possibility to Daniel and his agency and his people. It could be... Ask for 45, settle for 35, right? I'm just throwing the first number out there. Any negotiation book that you read is you never say the first number, right? So maybe he's like, if I'm going to say the first number, it's going to be big because then I can work my way back to a fair number, right? If he just came out and said 35, the Giants would probably try to get him down to 29. Like that's just how negotiation works. So if his plan is I'm saying 45 now, that got leaked to the press, whatever, I'm going to settle for 35, and that's the plan all along, fine. I'm fine with that. Go ahead. But if he thinks he's actually getting $45 million, he would not do well on a team that I am the GM of. And Joe Shane should let him know that. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio, 94.1. LaShawn McCoy, former running back for the Chiefs. Most of you probably remember him from his time with the Eagles and Bills. He was not complimentary of Eric Bieniemy. 
We'll play that auto for audio for you coming up next. Checking off the safety and letting it rip on the mic. This is the Tim Donnelly Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. LaShawn McCoy trying to rain on Washington's parade. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Eric Bieniemy left the defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs with two Super Bowl rings on his hand when he left. Or one and one ordered. Probably not there yet. Uh, five consecutive AFC championship trips. Uh, he had been in the building with Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, that whole offense that everybody loves. He had been a part of it, and he is taking that considerable resume to Washington. And it's been fairly positively received, right? Meaning it's going to be good for Washington. There's If there's been any blowback, it's been, why does he have to go prove himself as an offensive coordinator when he should just be getting head coaching jobs? Different conversation. LaShawn McCoy, who did play one year for the Chiefs, with Eric Bieniemy on the staff uh, when they won a Super Bowl, well, he was on FS1, and uh, he decided to be the person that did not love Eric Bieniemy as an offense coordinator. What's his value? What makes him a good offensive coordinator? I've been in the rooms where he's coaching, and he has nothing to do with the pass game at all, right? When the plays are, are designed, that's Andy Reid. When you talk about offensive coordinators, I can tell you what makes Brian Dayball with the Giants a very, very good coordinator. I can tell you with Andy Reid or Doug Peterson. But when I ask about Eric Bieniemy, what makes him good? When we watch the film of practices and we correct the, the, the wide receivers, the running backs, the, the quarterbacks, he doesn't talk in there. Andy Reid talks in there. He may say things to the running back because he's an ex-running back coach. I get that. But he has no real responsibility. Now you go from the Chiefs, where you can hide behind Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid. Then you, then you go to the, the Washington, where you got to call plays. You got to run the meetings. You got to run the installs. Does not sound very complimentary of one Eric Bieniemy. I do think it's important to consider the source when you hear blatant criticism like that. Not saying it's completely wrong. There, there could be some truth to it. Maybe Andy Reid did take the reins in meetings, and maybe he was the one correcting practice film. I don't know. I wasn't there. LaShawn was. But it is important to remember. The Chiefs were the first team in LaShawn McCoy's life to bench him. Not because of injury. They just benched him. And they won the Super Bowl that year. Do you know how many offensive snaps LaShawn McCoy got in the playoffs when they won the Super Bowl in Kansas City in 2019? There were three games in the playoffs for the Chiefs. Uh, LaShawn McCoy was was a member of the Chiefs. Do you, do you know how many snaps? One. Which almost feels intentional. I feel like they didn't get along. That feels like you put him in there just to make sure he knew that you knew he was like, you didn't forget about him. You put him in there for one play, take him out. Not even They didn't play him at all. They left him inactive in the last two playoff games. They won the Super Bowl. So because they won the Super Bowl, you can't blame Andy Reid, right? You can't be like, oh, Andy Reid doesn't know what he's doing. So who do you blame? The offensive coordinator? Makes sense. Eric Bieniemy, the guy who had a running backs coach background. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Feels a bit personal, doesn't it? Oh, he may talk to the running backs. Oh, you mean the position you played? So do you think maybe you only knew he was talking to you because he was talking to you and he might have talked to the other positions too, but you weren't there because it's not your position? Okay, well, what about this? Let's look at somebody else that's 
that's played for him, or I could say practiced for him. Chad Henney, Keyshawn J. Will and Max about Bienemy. I think uh, he just wants to get out of the shadow of Andy Reid, and I think he just wants to prove himself that he can go out and run an offense by himself. And I think he can do that. He's a leader of men, and I think this is the best chance for him to prove himself rather than kind of having the hierarchy around him. He can do it. I know he can get get it done. Uh, he's got great information. You know, they they do have a lot of talent over there. I mean, even though the record shows that it's a tough division, I was we saw that last year. But I, I think he can get it done, and then maybe he has a great year and steps up and then get the head coaching job the following year. I know he can get it done, is what Henny said. Henny's a quarterback. Huh. Two differing... Well, I mean, we know that Reed and Mahomes and Kelsey and all these guys have spoken highly of him, but there are former players that speak highly of him as well. The other possible option, why there could be some friction, why there could be some icy coldness between LaShawn and, and Eric Bieniemy. Uh, I mentioned last week that I know someone that went to training camp with the Vikings when Bienemy was their running backs coach. And the thing that he remembered about Bienemy, and by the way, this person was not a running back, uh, the thing he remembered about Bienemy is Bienemy will get after it. He is a bad language user, right? He will get after it. He will get in your face about it. It's not going to endear him to everyone. Right, we we talk about the bear or the hair. One of my favorite phrases that one of my one of my coaches used. Right, the bear or the hair meant that everyone is motivated differently. Some are motivated by the bear chasing them. Right, you get on those people, you yell at them, you scream. Some are motivated by the hair, meaning the rabbit ahead of them. Think think of like a fox in this situation. Right, you're either chased by the bear or you're chasing the hair. So you praise the one that's that's motivated by the hair great route and then they'll do everything they can to run the route the same way next time the person motivated by the bear that's the worst route i've ever seen they're motivated to not ever do that again doesn't matter just matters you're running the right route but coaches have to figure it out and maybe that's where the enemy has to get better right maybe he's motivating everybody by the bear he's screaming and yelling he doesn't even if it doesn't endear him to you he's yelling and ranting and raving Lashawn mccoy again on fs1 makes that argument the last issue I have with him is what makes Andy Reid so great, not the call, the, the play calls, which we see that, which, I mean, that's one of it. But the other thing is, like, adapting to the players. Well, being in me, he's my first practice. I couldn't believe it. He's dog coaching. He's dog cussing the players. I'm like, and not just the regular players. Kelsey, you know, you know, other players. So it's like, it's hard for me. I'm rooting for him because he's a black coach, and I love to see black coaches win. Also, he's a running back coach. Running back coaches don't never get a chance to be True. office coordinators. The yep. last one was, like, Anthony Lynn. So I want that to, 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 to do well for him. But if I have to do my job, to be honest, my thing is just where is the true value at? Wait a second. So he gets on the stars the same way he gets on the new guys? I'm old enough to remember when that was Bill Belichick's biggest point of, of praise. He yells at Brady the same way he yells at the last guy on the bench. The enemy was yelling at Kelsey. Wait, wait, wait. Let's take it back one step further. LaShawn McCoy said that in meetings and on the field, Eric Bieniemy never talked. He never spoke to anybody, maybe a running back, but not anyone else on the offense. Then he doubles back and says he was yelling and, to use his term, dog cussing at Travis Kelsey, not a running back. It feels personal. It feels like he's just going to say negative things about Bienemy, and then the next negative thing might counteract the previous negative thing, but it's another negative thing. So he's all about the negative things. LaShawn McCoy also, it's important to remember, 
member of the media now. And we all know the different types of media people. And there are certain hot take media people that may or may not share a network with him on FS1. And it's important to remember where he's coming from. Some of them we can write off, right? Skip Bayless says something. What do we say? Skip Bayless just being Skip. That's nonsense. Don't give him the time of day. We can't really do that with LaShawn because he played. So it carries a little bit of weight, but he is using that little bit of weight and credibility to hot take his way to the top. Does not have a say in the pass game, but he dog cusses Kelsey. Hmm. I'm old enough to remember when treating the stars the same way you treat the end of the guy on the bench was a a compliment to a coach. But apparently it is both a negative and you don't talk to him, which is also a negative. What's going on here, LaShawn? Do we need to talk something out? Is that one rep in the playoffs still getting to you? Does that Super Bowl ring that you earned as a member of the Chiefs, I'm not taking it away from you, but is that a constant reminder of the fact that they didn't need you? That you fumbled too much? That you carry the ball like a loaf of bread and Eric Bieniemy didn't like that? For the first time in your life, somebody said, yeah, you know what? We're going to go with Damian Williams. Yeah. I remember the guy. Damian Williams had a big, big run in that Super Bowl. Nice little playoff run. Didn't need you, LaShawn. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Let's give those tickets away. Not just tickets. I keep calling them tickets. They're three-day passes to the Beach It Country Music Festival, bringing country music back to the Virginia Beach Oceanfront, and they're doing it in a big way. June 23rd through 25th at the Virginia Beach Oceanfront, it's a three-day music festival with 30 country music, 30 of country music's best artists, including Miranda Lambert, Thomas Rhett, Luke Bryan, and more tickets are on sale now at beachitfestival.com but if you want to win them you have to be caller number four right now at 757-687-9494 again the tickets are on sale at beachitfestival.com but if you want to win them caller number four right now 757-687-9494 get your text in also because when we come back we're going to read your text and we're going to ask does that do anything for you stick around (laughs) 